millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to this episode of Movie in a Pod. I am Clyde Smith. And I am Javier Villalobos. On this week's episode, we are discussing the trailer for Venom, Let There Be Carnage, some things we've been watching in our movie of the week, The Pelican Brief. We have the sequel to 2018's Venom, starring Tom Hardy. This one is has a new director, Andy Serkis. Uh, it's also got Carnage, mm-hmm. made by Woody Harrelson. Let's talk about this trailer, man. What are your thoughts? I mean, let's just talk about Woody, too. I mean, this dude is creepy as hell in this movie. Yeah. He is he was creepy at the end of the first movie when we got a, a preview of him. <laughs> and he's usually kind of a funny guy, right? Yeah. Kind of funny or uh, serious. We don't see him too many uh, times as a creepy person. But he really gives off creep vibe. But, man, Carnage looks awesome. Yeah. Big fan of these symbiotes, man. And, you know, obviously Venom, the more famous one. But, yeah carnage the one that just wreaks havoc on everybody's Mm -hmm. life and you know from the comics and the old 90s cartoon tv show spider-man didn't have it easy with with carnage you know what i mean so he was (laughs) right he's a different guy but i mean you gotta think about eddie brock himself right is he's a reporter who goes insane because of the, the symbiote but you know doesn't go too crazy the guy who's in what is it Cassidy, Cletus Cassidy, I think the uh, yeah. guy's name is. Yeah. He's a serial killer. You add you add a symbiote with that, some shit's going to pop off, okay? <laughs> oh, no, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, yeah, so it looks like we're going to have some uh, fun uh, buddy comedy situation with Venom. Yeah. And uh, Tom. And 
it shows out through this trailer, just like the other trailers have, and the first movie. Yeah, yeah, man. So, you know, I think they're going to up the game with, you know, like you said, the buddy cop type action thing uh, with those two. But then you're throwing yeah. in Carnage, who you, you said it, man, off the top, you said it. He looks like a badass. He's different. Oh, yeah. And he's violent, and it's going to be gory. It's going to it's going to push the the envelope for a PG thirteen movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's basically going to be a rated R movie, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're all about eating some people. <laughs> so it's it's going to be a a definitely ride that I'll I will definitely be in the theater for, man. Uh, my favorite part of the trailer is when they're kind of standing there and they first see Carnage <laughs> and. Venom goes away, yeah. and Eddie's like, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> and he says, it's a red one. Don't <laughs> mess with the red one. He's like, he's like, all right, if you come out, you can eat anybody and everybody. He says yeah. something like that, and then he pops yeah. out, right? Because all Venom wants to do is eat people, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's uh, that, that looks intense. And we may get introduced to some more mutants. Via this this movie, there was a talk in there about Area Fifty One, and it showed like some kind of lockup, and there was a lady in there like looked like she was yelling and was like creating some kind of big situation in there from her voice. Wild, yeah. So something else is going to go down in here. They're coming out with the Morbius movie. Yeah, the boy is is still looking wild and everything that he does now. But is Tom Holland Spider Man going to be in this universe? Is he going to be able to swing back and forth? Like, what's what's the deal? No pun intended, mm-hmm. I guess. But all pun no intended clue. at the same time, right? Yeah. Happy oh, accident. <laughs> Happy accident. I love it. So is he <laughs> is he going to uh, be in this type of? Is this like a Spider Verse franchise that they're building over there? Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't. There's a lot of things they can do, and. I'm sure that will not be let out at all. It's going to be a big surprise if it does. A little off topic here, but, you know, we get the No Way Home trailer here, hopefully soon for Spider-Man. Are we going to get Toby and Andrew, or are we just going to get Toby? Mm. What do you I think, man? Let's let's know. call it right here on Movie in the Pod. <laughs> let's. I want I want Javi to call it. What do you think, man? If if we're going into a multiverse situation, in general, I think we're going to get both of them. Dude, I wish, man. But I hope. But I feel like it's going to be like maybe different ages. I mean, Tobey like Maguire different. is going to be swinging with a cane, so, you know, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> well, it was already like 35 when he was playing the high school kid. It really so. was, bro. <laughs> dude, dude was getting his AARP card, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's something to hope for, regardless. Something cool like that to see. Definitely. Guys, we're going to throw a link up there for uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. You know, we kind of went off on a tangent there, but... We love we love anything in all things Spider Man at the same time. So mm-hmm. love this universe that they're uh, talking about. So 
true. All right, man. Uh, What have you been watching lately, brother? Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's slow down. Let's slow our gears down and just what you talking about? Well, for myself, I haven't really been watching a whole lot of new stuff the last few weeks since Loki finished up. It's just kind of been those fillers, right? Yeah. The ones we go back to on a regular basis when there's nothing else going on that we know is going to be something we enjoy. And mine is Supernatural. Dude, how many seasons has there been now? There, Well, they finished it they, at season 15. There's 15 seasons. This was the last season. It just ended. But now they're going to be doing a prequel to it, which is going to be the story of their parents. Wow. Yeah. So... Jensen Ackles, who plays Dean, is going to be like a narrator for it. Mm. Hopefully that one turns out just as good as this one. But this is mine that I go to, and it's like, it's one of the ones where there's like a humongous storyline through the whole thing, but every episode also brings its own little little episode within itself, and I enjoy it. I enjoy watching the vampires and the werewolves and all that stuff. I want to talk about two things that I've watched recently. One's a six hour movie the other one Fair. is the uh lebron james led space jam the new <laughs> legacy mm-hmm. and i'm gonna start I out that, with i think that was don Cheeto led but that's fine that was <laughs> which is one of my points right he should have been on the cover one of my <laughs> <laughs> literally one of my notes i know you said it in a, in a, a couple of pods ago that don yeah. Cheeto held this down <laughs> because he really did um it wasn't the fact that LeBron cannot act. I just, I don't know, man. This movie was not, I guess, because I'm just old now, man. I don't know if it's, I don't know because I'm old. I don't know if it's because I have such a, a uh, strong uh, affection and connection with the Space Jam that Michael Jordan was in. I don't know, man, but I I thoroughly didn't. There were some funny parts in this. Yeah. They didn't really build a good story around LeBron. He the whole time for me in that movie, he felt like a a side character, unlike MJ yeah. was in the in the original. MJ was the centerpiece of the movie. Yes, and everything that happened was around him. Yes. But this one, just like they could have filled that spot with anybody because it wasn't really based around LeBron. Exactly. Right. That's so, what I got from it. So so let's talk about that for a second. So for <laughs> 1996 Space Jam, right? Michael Jordan, they took, they did it when he, the story at least, was when he left the NBA to go play baseball. Yeah. And people talked shit about him playing baseball and how he's not a good mm-hmm. baseball player. And, you know, then he gets sucked down into a tune role to play some basketball or whatever. <laughs> yeah. This... I don't know. It was just the weird family di- dynamic. I didn't really feel it with his son. Once again, it's a movie for kids, so we're talking shit about a kids movie right now. But the original Space Jam still, still kind of holds up. It wasn't. I guess the original Space Jam wasn't really based around the kid, the family, though, right? No, the kids showed it, up it one based, time with, with the with the yeah, basketball stuff. That's true. That's true. Now I will say that. Uh, LeBron as a cartoon was cool. I will say that <laughs> the the tunes doing some Kingdom Hearts Disney type thing, going from yeah. world to world with, with the spaceship. Oh, the, the WV everybody. Warner Brothers verse or whatever yeah. they called it. Yeah, that yeah, was cool. that was awesome. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, right? I like, that. like 
Yeah. There's this video game, I'm nerding out. There's this video game, Kingdom Hearts, that you go from Disney World to Disney World in this spaceship yeah. or whatever as the character. That's basically what they did within the, the Warnerverse or whatever. Uh, that yeah, was the cool. Warnerverse. That's... And then seeing Lola Bunny, like, you know, become literally straight out of Wonder Woman 1985, 84, whatever the hell it was. No kidding. Um, that that was scene awesome. was just dope, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the I movie agree. had. had had fun parts. I just felt, I don't know, man. One, one LeBron was just corny. Maybe, maybe Jordan was corny as well. I don't remember. I feel like Jordan was like, give him an Oscar for that movie when I first saw it, you know, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, like you said, it was a while back and we're a lot younger and a little bit more hypnotized by the tunes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But this movie didn't really carry a lot of big hitters. I mean, it was LeBron and Don Cheadle. In the original one, you had MJ, Muggsy, Charles Barkley. Uh, who else was in there? It was uh, Larry Bird. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Patrick Ewing. Don't forget, that? the best cameo ever. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Bill Murray, baby, right? Oh, yeah. Right? right? I will say this, though, guys. If you haven't seen it yet, literally it's on... HBO Max, go see it in theaters. I did like the Michael B. Jordan uh, ref, <laughs> like when he gave it, yo. <laughs> and then Sylvester yeah, was, so was like, then Sylvester like crossed his name out like wrong, wrong guy or something. Like yeah. <laughs> I thought that was probably the best part of the entire movie. Like I laughed my ass off of that. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, uh, it, once again, it's a kid's movie. It wasn't panned as well as the first one. Mind you, that was twenty years ago. So yeah, yeah, man, it's it's definitely a watch. Yeah, it had its uh its ups and downs. I think it, like I said, it is kids movies based around all these cartoon characters. So and 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 Don Cheadle definitely definitely did his thing, man. He was yep. he was literally fun to watch from the time you saw him to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. He was the best part. So all right, man. Switching Ooh. gears real quick. Uh, Netflix has a three-part movie called Fear Street, 1994, 1978. Um, don't quote me here. Um, and then there's like a colonial one, right? And then okay. 1994 part two. And basically they, they're all connected They're They came out all in July, mm-hmm. three straight Fridays in July. And this is from the mind of R.L. Stein, Fear Street. Hmm. But this is nothing oh, yeah. like this. This is nothing like Goosebumps, man. This is yeah. more. <laughs> this is rated R. Oh, a lot right. of blood, a lot of gore, a lot of violence, a lot of like outrageous violence. Um, okay, you know, teens at at camp smoking, sex. Uh, it's got it all. And I watched this literally every Friday that it came out, and this was fun. I'm a big okay. As a child, as a younger, I wasn't really big into horror movies and everything. Now that I'm in my 30s, I am. And this is right up my alley, man. It's got a mix of fear from the title. It's got a mix yeah. of a lot of fun. It's hilarious. Puts you in these dire situations that you feel like you're in the middle of okay. the action and what's going on and how you want to solve this mystery. And I just highly recommend it. So is it like three different stories that interconnect? Yes, that's exactly what it okay. is. Yes. Okay. 
Starts you off in nineteen huh. the year nineteen ninety four, takes you back to summer camp back in the seventies, and then it takes you back to the colonial times mm-hmm. beforehand. So Fear Street is definitely uh great reviews, great watch. Uh, watch it with friends if you don't if you're scared of scary movies and <laughs> stuff. Uh grab popcorn, grab it, grab a drink. It's a fun Gotta time. So. Stay under that blanket too. Don't, don't be out underneath that blanket. <laughs> I will I will be honest, man. Like it's got every you know how some things try to pay homage to uh different movies. Some movies try to do that. This mm-hmm. does it and it's not cheesy, it's not corny, man. Okay. It's actually like brings it together and you're like, Oh yeah, that's from screen. Oh yeah, that's from Children of the Corn. That's from gotcha. Halloween. It's Children just of the corn. Super that was- cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where where I live, Clyde, we used to as soon as you drive out of the driveway at my mom's house, there's a cornfield right across the street. So oh, I'm aware. I'm aware. I've stayed at night over there one time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> too much corn around here. There's too much hey, corn. <laughs> I was like, yo, uh anybody want to crash in my house? We're all like, nah, we good, bro. Nah, we are good too to much go. Corn. <laughs> All right, Javi, we have our movie of the week, The Pelican Brief. This came out in 1993. This is written and directed by Alan J. Pualka. Um, This is from a John Grisham book entitled oh, yeah. The Pelican Brief that came out in 1992. This had a $45 million budget and made $195 million at the box office. Yo, killed it. And starting in this one, we got Julia Roberts as Darby Shaw. Denzel Washington as Gray Grantham, Sam Shepard as Thomas Callahan, John Hurd as Gavin Verhick, Tony Goldwyn as Fletcher Cole, I think I'm pronouncing this one right, James Sicking as the FBI Director Denton Boyles, William Atherton as Bob, I'm just going to say Mimsky, and we have Robert Culp as the President, and Stanley Tucci as Kamal. Kamal. What a badass. Mm-hmm. Bobby, so like you so eloquently do each and every week, man, give us a rundown of this extremely long-ass, two-and-a-half-hour-long movie. <laughs> 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 oh, man. All right. So Darby Shaw writes a brief that details her theory on how and why two Supreme Court justices were assassinated, and others that find out about this brief are getting killed as well. Darby links up with Greg Grantham, and they gather more evidence and testimonies to take down an oil tycoon and others involved in these murders. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the Pelican Brief, guys. Yes. Two and a half hours of awesomeness. No, man, this was actually a a dope movie, man. Let's talk about the plot. So, conspiracy theory, Mm -hmm. right? Like Like a political thriller type thing. Yeah. I like it how there's really no like super heroes in this. And I don't mean like Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. I mean like there's no like badass lead detective or FBI agent on the trailer and right. of that nature, right? It's literally uh Darby Shaw, who is a twenty-four-year-old law student, and Greg Grantham, Denzel Washington, who is a journalist. Or for yeah. Washington Herald, right? I thought that was kind of cool how 
you know, we don't have Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to save the day <laughs> um, in this, right? <laughs> like, I just don't think that's yeah, really, it's just really cool. Two, two kind of just normal people that, you know, just get caught up in some, some mess that they're trying to <sighs> help out with, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. So, you know, they go from her writing this brief and really it's just a theory at this point, right? I think she just writes it uh, for like a dissertation or something of that nature. Like she's not writing yeah. it just to, you know, to, to prove anything wrong. She's just that damn good of a, of a law student, you know, of a future lawyer uh, that she yeah, writes pieces the puzzles together. <laughs> she pieces some damn puzzles together. And then it gets passed along to the FBI, to the white house, uh, to all these different government agencies. And that's when the killings start happening. Yeah. And everybody's like, so that that's the truth. The people that know that that's the truth. They're like, Oh my God. You know, this lady figured it out. (laughs) Who the hell is this girl? We got it. We got to kill her. Right. And you really (laughs) don't know who is putting these assassinations, the, these killings in play. Yeah, and we actually never really even see this guy in the movie, right? Yes. Uh, the the oil tycoon. Victor Matisse. Yeah, he's just the name in the movie. Yeah, right? but it's like such a powerful name throughout the entire movie, yeah. though. Yeah, right. Which is like, it's a character, and you're just envisioning, like, oil tycoon, Victor Matisse, probably a badass that like shoots Buffalo on the weekend, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you remember the guy, uh, you remember the African hunter from, uh, Jumanji in that big ass gun that he had. I feel like Victor Matisse has that exact weapon. Right? That's, right. Like, <laughs> that's his weekends, bro. Cigar, big ass gun, you know, rifle yeah. or whatever, just straight killing. So, like that's his jam every week no but no and then what happens is uh julie roberts character darby shaw is basically on the run bodies are dropping around her anybody that she talks about the brief to uh keeps dying and then she finds and trusts uh the journalist greg grantham and then they go after the truth right of seeing exactly what's happened it's a 90s john grissom i mean he made like there was like nine of these movies that were made in the nineties, these little political kind of lawyer thrillers. Yeah. And I will say this, man, I, I love them all, including this one. I haven't seen this since it came out back in like 93, 94. I probably watched it around 93, 94 yeah. something, but I haven't seen it since, man. This is one of those movies that, yeah, technology has changed, but the plot and everything definitely holds up. Especially in this yeah. day and age, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Movie theaters are back open. And I've been using my Regal Unlimited Pass to see literally everything on the planet. Uh, you know, I walked in there and ready to get my normal order large popcorn, and a large cherry Coke. One of the amazing crew members at the Starlight Cinema here in Charlotte stated they no longer carry Coke products, (laughs) but now only carry Pepsi products. All right. Well, Regal, uh, there was one free promotion for you, so uh, hit us up for the next one. 
Definitely. <laughs> but it, but anyways, uh, just curious about where you're going with the whole Coke Pepsi situation. I mean, I get it. They now serve Pepsi, but they don't even have wild cherry Pepsi, man. That is literally my That's jam every time I go to the movies. Large popcorn, large cherry flavored cola. It's just sad, and it's messing up my whole movie-going experience, man. <laughs> Javi, uh, this is really messing with me, man. What What is your go-to at the movie theater concessions? Uh, I stick with the large popcorn and usually go for root beer. Oh! There's, there's always a root beer. I mean, one brand or the other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, a box. Don't... I don't want to have the uh, the bag, but a box of Sour Patch Kids if I'm Ooh. feeling adventurous that day. Nice, nice, nice. So, interesting, right? And that's, yeah. I'm not a real, like, sweets guy at the movie outside of my mm-hmm. Cherry Coke, but I had a buddy in college who would put Reese's Pieces <laughs> and M&M's in his popcorn and go to town. He said it was this this crazy mix of salt and sweet and chocolate and peanut butter. It's just... It was just entirely too much stuff going on, and I don't share popcorn with people anyway, unless you're my wife. So right. you know. So you wouldn't you didn't share that large number one combo if I'm ever uh, <laughs> uh, a little low in my pockets. No? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> oh, man. You know, and as always, uh, we like to hear from our listeners as well and see uh, what you guys enjoy the theater. And you can contact us on our socials. Yeah, guys, you can always find us and communicate with us on Facebook at Movie in a Pod, and on Twitter and Instagram at Symbol Movie in a Pod. Now, this was my first time through. Really awesome uh, for me. Yeah. So, like I said, as far as the plot, once again, it's something that happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's no getting around conspiracy theories that, you know, some are true, some are false, but they're always around. Yeah. But I will say two and a half hours. That was a, that was a long one. You know, I, I'm, I'm not into the drama kind of movies too much. Yeah. So for me, two and a half hours was kind of pushing it for this for me, but I watched it and it was a good movie. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely agree with that, man. And I think the most fun is just seeing, how uh, Shaw and Grantham kind of navigate this this world and try yeah. to get to the truth, right? Try to get through everything that they're trying to do to to prove is this brief that, that she did is it is it correct? Is it wrong? Is mm-hmm. it, is it factual? You know that's that's what I need. That's what I loved watching. So it takes you yeah, on, a, on a ride here and there yeah i mean yeah. to get me get me wrong i know you're i'm more of an action guy you're more of an action guy as well but the drama yeah was there but it was also oozing with like car explosions yeah yeah chases few, few, few little stunts a couple nothing of shootouts you know what I mean? like yeah. <laughs> yeah nothing too crazy yeah. around here right <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't meant here. to be it wasn't meant to be that way so you know why why make it that way when it's supposed to be a down-to-earth movie yeah right? Yeah, so I I liked where this movie was was heading from start. And it tails off at the end. That might be I don't know how close to the book it is, but it's definitely right. a uh, fun ride throughout. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so these characters, man, uh, we're not going to spend too much time on them. I really just want to talk about th- maybe three, four people, man. Let's start with you know the the lead, Julia Roberts, Darby Shaw. Yeah, she's a law student. She's the one that writes this briefs and kind of gets the gets the ball rolling in the movie. She just plays a uh, another down to earth woman who's he said she's smart. She does this, writes this brief, puts these pieces together, not knowing if it's the truth or not, but is good at what she does and is able to not only put them together and not knowing the truth, but also being able to pull those other resources in and the other information to prove she's right. The thing with Julia Roberts, man, and I, I definitely agree with you there, is that she does play the, you know, the average woman. Yeah in all of the roles and that's what she excels in yeah mind you way above a- average and and talent and everything yeah but she plays these roles and she does it to a t where yeah she just wants to turn 25 man she just wants to get through law <laughs> law school right yeah she, she just wants to be in a relationship with her law professor and she gets thrown into this world. I call it the diehard effect, right? Wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> where she's in this world now and she's going to have to navigate through it. Uh, yeah. And she, she takes us through that ride and you kind of see the, that she's scared at times. She's very strong at times where she has to take control and she knows, you know, when she has to rely on other people as well. So it's just really mm-hmm. fun seeing Julia Roberts in this type of role super long time ago, man. 93. She killed it, <laughs> by, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Killed it. But then we got our, our main man, uh, Denzel Washington as Gray Grantham. It's Denzel, baby. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a, I think we've done a couple movies with him in it. We're just, it's Denzel. <laughs> You no other word. You know what you're getting with this guy each and every yeah. time out, and he just delivers, man. Yeah, I, love, I like when he's on the phone, like uh, towards the end of the movie, and he's talking to the the FBI and stuff. Like, you know, we got this brief. We know what it's about. Do you want to put your comments in? And just the way he talks and the way his tone is and, yeah. and all that is just so smooth. Yeah, there was this. <laughs> There was the the one scene that I really liked with him when he gets in the taxi. He's being followed. He gets in the taxi mm-hmm. and he's kind of looking straight. And it's the way that he turned around. And it's just a cliche <laughs> thing. But Denzel does yeah. not make it cliche. That's the thing. He, he turns around, sees that he's being followed, turns back around to the taxi driver and says, yeah. step on it. Right? Yeah. Which is like <laughs> one of the most cliche lines you can say in a movie. Mm-hmm. But he delivers it so cool. And it's just dripping with like. Dude, I want to be this guy, man. I want to be <laughs> Greg Grantham, man. He's super cool. Right. But no, the way that he links up with Darby Shaw and goes on this exploration is just fun, man. Once again, they're yeah. they're they're two normal people, a journalist and a law student, and they are determined to get to the bottom of what's going on and get and making this happen. And putting Denzel in this role. Just super cool, man. I just we've talked about <laughs> Denzel so much on this pod because he's one of my favorite actors. He just kills it in this role, man. Oh, yeah. So uh we also got Thomas Callahan played by Sam Shepard, the drunken law professor, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's also in a relationship with Darby Shaw. Yes. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And he's the one who kind of kicks off everything with the movie in regards Mm -hmm. to 
the brief getting out of his hands into DC and then being mm-hmm. floated around. So yeah, you kind of you kind of set yourself well up him. there, buddy. You kind of <laughs> set yourself up there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, because he does not make it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just gonna say that. Okay, <laughs> but no, you know he's an integral part, right? And he is that that launching point for uh, the series of events that happened, and that them, yeah. whoever trying to cover it up. And I, I've always been a fan of Sam Shepard. Thomas Callahan is a small role for him. You know, it's just in, yeah. in, the, in the first, what, 30, 45 minutes of the movie. Oh, um, yeah, I, say that, I, say, I say that like it's like it's not a lot, but it's also a two and a half hour long movie. So <laughs> yeah, the percentage on that is, is yeah, very low. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but how he delivers his scenes and, you know, his his love for Darby, at least at the time or something, you can definitely tell. So it was it was a fun character. So uh, the last person I want to talk about, if there's anybody else you want to throw on there, you definitely can. Stanley Tucci, man. Yeah, that's my number one right there. <laughs> yes, the Tucci, right? <laughs> the Tucci, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if anybody calls him that. I'm going like, to, I'm just going to do it. They're going to call him that now. The Tucci, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be at like an Oscar party or whatever, yeah. and be like, "Yo, Tooch, who, who, do, like, who the hell? Call, why the hell did you just call me? Call me that? Oh, the guys from Movie in a Pod, Movie in a Who? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's gonna have to download our pod and listen to it. Boom, yeah, that's fun. So <laughs> cool, cool. So oh, uh, he plays an assassin, a hitman. Yeah, kind of. Even before the Pelican brief gets written up, he is the one who carries out these assassinations and that's not even spoiling it because the judges die and you see him walking away from the scene of the crime so it's not even like that big of a deal you know yeah Yeah, (laughs) it's like the cards are laid out (laughs) as far as who did it we're trying to figure out who hired him yes yes that's what the thing was his character not not a big role it's a gigantic small role yes very pivotal. right yes as, as the the assassination is a humongous part of this movie and he's the one that did it yeah so we, we get him in the beginning as the assassin we get him trying to figure out and find you know and try to help cover this up mm-hmm. and he gets to the point where he's about to fully cover it up and then he gets whacked as well um, yeah. <laughs> which is a very integral part of the movie. You know, once again, very small role, not that many speaking parts. I like that he went from when he was sitting on the bed at first and he's taking the phone call. You know, he's talking to somebody in his normal mm-hmm. Eastern European, I don't know, type of accent or whatever, yeah. and then switches it to that American accent, right? Yeah. From, from that USA. So that that's very good acting on, on Stanley's part or the Tucci's part, excuse me. Um, yeah, that's what we're going to call him now. And yeah. he does it again right before he goes to meet Darby's character. When he's standing in the mm-hmm. mirror, he's putting on the jacket, I mean, the, the shirt and the red hat, and he's trying to match his voice yeah. uh, and changes it. That's just good acting, man. On the spot right there. That's what I enjoyed. He didn't talk after that, but. That's all we needed, right? That's all we needed, man. The Tooch <laughs> did his thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk yeah. about some uh, set pieces real quick. We have uh, DC, obviously, gorgeous, been mm-hmm. used each and every time, and they use all of DC. The White House, mm-hmm. Capitol Building Steps, Supreme Court, you know, just different monuments and everything. Some of Georgetown, 
Uh, they were up there in like parts of like Maryland and stuff as well, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. But I think where the sh- where it really came alive for me is New Orleans. Right. That's where Tulane is. You know, that's where Julia mm-hmm. Roberts' character Darby goes to school. That's where Callahan lives and teaches. Yeah, that's where the uh, oil tycoon is trying to get some uh, permission to dig for oil. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Some Louisiana marshlands. So, you know, it's it's all tied in and uh just like everything, if you've never been to New Orleans, it's definitely a really fun time. So many people, so much mm-hmm. culture, the dancing, the drinking, the food, and they just display it. And and the yeah. few scenes we got, man, they display <laughs> and they display all of it. And it's just fun to watch. Especially if you've been mm-hmm. to New Orleans, it's just like, yo, I was right there. Yeah. <laughs> the the second Jack Reacher movie, a lot of that was in New Orleans, and I felt that same exact way. Right, New Orleans is a very mm-hmm. small small city, uh, and you felt like, oh man, I've been there, I've done that, cool, cool, cool. So, you know, those set pieces were felt really alive to me because I've been to DC, because I've been to New Orleans, and they put you mm-hmm. right there on Bourbon Street, which is cool. Oh yeah. What about this nineties? music uh. <laughs> uh, yeah score wise i feel like you said it's 90s man it's uh a weird time for for musical scores <laughs> yeah i mean the there's the build-up and then the beat drops exactly where you expect it to like the build-up <laughs> to something one that i remember in the movie vividly is like where they're getting chased through the parking deck. Yes. And yes. they go and they go to jump yes. onto that car hood. Yes. Dude. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know why, but like, you know, it was like slow motion. There was like some weird noises. And then they land on this hood like like they had jumped from like three stories up. Right? Yeah. It's so dramatic. I, I will like, say that. like that through the whole thing. Like the nineties were a weird time for musical scores. <laughs> Uh, you know, the 80s, they did a lot of, they just did a lot of like rock music in the background. And that was basically the yeah. score. There was still your movies that did like orchestra scores, but the 90s wanted to do something different and add a bunch of like dun 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 duns and, and just weird <laughs> stuff, right? And I'm just like, you turn this movie on, you're like, yeah, it's a political thriller. Like just hearing it as it's starting. Yeah, it's yeah. a political thriller. Yeah, there's probably going to be some some stuff happening in here. Yes, it's going to be have you on the edge of of your, your seat. But that was the mu- that was the music from like all the movies in the nineties. I mean, yeah, even Speed had that, and I love Speed soundtrack. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, but it, but it yeah. is done by the great James Horner, who uh, is fabulous. Uh, to me, I fell in love with his music and his his mm-hmm. scoring with. Uh, uh, amazing spider-man movies uh he i think he did a fantastic for all those for all those movies that nobody liked about those two movies he did a fantastic job on the scores and that's mm-hmm. when i fell in love with him as a composer so awesome man so let's talk about the theme real quick before we wrap up and give our thoughts man this is a john grisham movie man if there's been so many of them mm-hmm. and they all kind of have a very similar theme to them corporate greed lies and a bunch of other stuff uh there's there are no takeaways from these type of movies that kind of resonate with me actually man i will say that mm-hmm. this they're like fun 
and it basically tells me not to be a shitty person. Um, right. but, but, but as far right. as, but as far as like deep down intrinsic themes that I can, can learn from and what this movie is trying to tell is the truth will catch up to your ass. <laughs> right for for lack of a better word you know what i mean like just yeah that's that nobody's untouchable Ex- i think i think you put it the nail on the head right there <laughs> nobody's untouchable man there's if you mess up like it will come out and darby shaw and greg anthem's gonna be right there behind your ass all right <laughs> All right, JV. So um, that is the Pelican Brief. Uh, what'd you think, yes, man? What were your thoughts? Uh, I'm gonna go with a three out of five. Okay, talk one. to me. Two great actors. You know, the cast kept me going through this one. Uh, Denzel, Julia Roberts. Uh, you know, there are other other people throughout this. Had a lot of dialogue, and that's what kept me moving. Like I told you before, I'm not humongous into suspenseful movies. Yeah. And this one was two and a half hours, so <laughs> it it kept me going though. It kept pulling me through, but it did have a great story and a lot of plot twists and things like that that kept pulling me through. But you, man, we haven't done this mind. in a while, man. But I uh, agree with you, man. I give this three buckets of popcorn. Oh, sure. um, yeah. yeah, I love all John Grissom movie books that have turned to movies. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one is not my favorite of the group. Uh, but this is really good, man. With the the charismatic Denzel Washington, who just you know oozes coolness throughout the movie, and the vulnerability mm-hmm. of Julia Roberts, just them two on screen together is just fun for two and a half hours. Kind of falters mm-hmm. towards the end a little bit, but it does pick right back up when Denzel is on that phone asking everybody to comment. Like I was yeah. like, "Ooh, gotcha, bitch!" You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the biggest downfall of it was just the how long it was, man. It's like it just was, seemed like it was a little stretched out, but you know, yeah, that's what it is. That's a that's a John. Everybody that's the in the nineties John Grissom movies. Right. They're all like two and a half, three hours, dude. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right, then. it's you always got to watch them in like two or three parts. <laughs> yeah. All right, team, uh, before we wrap up for the week, we're going to let you know one more time. Uh, we're going to let you know how we are picking movies and how you can help us for season two. Picking an actor uh, from the movie of the week and watching a movie of theirs. And if you help pick that movie as well, you'll get a shout out. So pick an actor from the next movie and send us a message about it. Thank you for subscribing to this week's episode, Talking Through the Pelican Brief. Next week, we'll be discussing the 2021 movie, Jolt. That's now streaming on Amazon Prime. I am Clyde Smith. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as I am Clyde D. Smith. I'm Javier Villalobos, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Mr. J8200. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.